This is Bridging the Gap with Love, Episode 8, Frequently Asked Questions, Part 2. I'm Heidi Brower, a birth mom. And I'm Jessica Johns, an adoptive mom. And this is a podcast about our own stories and experiences with adoption, while hoping to provide education and support for birth moms, potential birth moms, and anyone with a connection to adoption. All right, guys, welcome to today's episode. We are, this is a continuation of last week's Frequently Asked Questions, and today we're going to actually start with Jessica. So, Jessica, I love this question. Do you ever worry about your kids wanting to live with their birth mom? So, this is such a good question. Let me tell you how I think about this. So, first of all, we've worked hard over several years to develop relationships with our kids' birth moms. So if they wanted to take them this weekend, that would be great, actually. (laughs) So I'm totally open. Uh Well, they take mine. Yeah, right? Uh Um, So I, I understand where this fear is coming from. You know, Adoptive moms have been through a lot of loss and grief. They've they feel like they've had a lot of things taken away from them. The ability to have a baby on their own, maybe. Mm-hmm. The ability to family plan. That's always a concept that just blows my mind. Oh, family planning? You get to you get to decide, decide. when you're gonna bring yeah. babies into your family? This is a new concept for me. So there's there's so many things that you kind of come at Um, adoption sometimes with this scarcity mindset because you feel like so much has already been ripped away from you. Um, So I totally understand that. And in the early parts of the adoption process, when birth mothers have parental rights and they've just invited you into their story and their life to be a part of their pregnancy or the delivery, um, this is a very fragile, fragile time where at any moment, everything could kind of go away. Yeah. And um, as an adoptive mom, you kind of have to constantly be prepared for that. Um, once once adoptions are finalized, though, you kind of shift into this new mode where you can start to feel more secure in your relationship with your child and also with this birth mother. Um, and so that's where I'm at now in our adoption stories, where I just feel... Um, I feel secure. I feel grateful for the role that they play and obviously grateful that I get to be a mom. So that's kind of where I come at this this question. Um, do you worry about your kids wanting to live with their birth mom? So first of all, both of my kids' birth moms are for sure 100% cooler than I am. <laughs> like, so let's just get that out of the way. Are they cooler than me? Yes. So will my girls especially at some point be like, hey, can I go live with Danielle who like might take me shopping or do all these fun things? Um, Nora got to go with Danielle a couple weeks ago and they got their nails done. They went shopping at the mall. Like this was like a really fun experience yeah. for them. And I, I honestly just feel so grateful that my kids have their birth moms in their lives, that they have this outlet that's not me. Yeah. Um, I'm okay now that I have my kids and this void has sort of been filled and I'm no longer in this scarcity mindset, I really feel really comfortable sharing my children right back with their birth moms who first shared with me. And because I have that mindset, like the sharing began with the with their birth moms years ago, um, I feel like so willing and grateful that I get the opportunity to share my kids back with them and that they are still here a consistent part of our children's lives. Yeah. So, um, so for me, 
I, you know, there are times, I've already told Danielle this actually a few months ago, Eva said she was super upset at me. Oh. So, and adoptive kids and biological kids get upset at their moms. Yes, they do. Do you know how many times Cohen has threatened to run away? Yes. I'm like, bye. Yeah. He's kidding. <laughs> he come, he'll come back. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, it, Eva was super upset and she's like, I'm going to go live with Danielle. And I was just like, that was the first time she had said that. And she's probably said that a couple of times since. And I honestly try really hard as a mom just not to take that stuff super personally. And also to feel grateful that she wants to go to another safe person. She's not trying to like hop on a city bus. Right. So and I so I told Danielle a few weeks later when we were when we were together, like, hey, just so you know, like Eva has now said like she wants to go live with you. So if she ever shows up at your door, let her in. Right. (laughs) Feed her. Maybe let her hang out for the weekend and then just send her right on back. Right. And so I try to let go of any feelings of like insecurity or jealousy, which naturally come up because we're humans. Yeah. But I also just, I trust the relationship that I have with Danielle and with Jessica. And I know that we're on the same team and that we all want what's best for our kids. Yeah. And so if Eva ever shows up at Danielle's door. Let her in, Danielle. (laughs) That's right. She's just going to let her on in. And I just feel grateful that my kids have that relationship with their birth mom, because I think especially as our kids are getting older and approaching these teenage years, um, there are going to be times when my relationship with my girls is not as strong or close as I want it to be, or where they're not going to be able to share something with me or tell something to me. And I want them to have other safe individuals that they can talk to, where they can feel listened to, heard, understood, and seen. And so they get that with their birth moms. Yeah, I love that. So I'm grateful for that. So do you ever think that, do you think that you're a more fun aunt than you are a mom? (laughs) Oh yeah. It's like so easy to love nieces and nephews. So this is, this is why I bring this up because I had this thought that a couple years ago I told Alex, I, you know, I've, I've had very open and candid conversations with Alex about, I'm not your mom. I'm not trying to be your mom. I'm not taking your mom's place. Like I'm team Andrea, like all the way. I'm her number one fan. And so I've always just tried to make sure that Alex knew that like, I support your mom, whatever, a hundred percent. And so one time I said to her, like, we were talking about like titles again. And I know that I've talked about titles before, but I think it's just really important. And I just said, you know, you can call me Heidi. You can look at me as like a friend. I said, I just want to be your friend. And she said, I just actually look at you as like a really fun aunt. And I was like, I will take that all day long because I can guarantee you I'm a more fun aunt than I am a mom. (laughs) But I mean, I didn't tell her that, but I'm thinking I I love my nieces and nephews and I I love my kids, but I think I'm a more fun aunt than I am a mom. And maybe my nieces and nephews are saying I want to go live with Aunt Heidi. They're probably not. I'm going to be honest because it's probably Aunt Laurel that they want to live with or (laughs) somebody else or Uncle Brent, Aunt Michaela. Sure. It's not me, but I could pretend. Yeah. So, But I love that idea of just having a village to help raise your children. That's right. Because if my kids want to go to somebody else um, or your kids want to go to come to me or their birth moms or whoever to just like have them scoop them up and take them for a night because they need to go away from their mom and dad. I'm all for it. Yeah. So. That's good. Okay. Oh, this next question is for me. Do you okay. want to ask it? Yes, I do. <laughs> so, okay. This is a really, this is like a tough question, but how did you deal with the judgment um, that you felt from others about being pregnant and then deciding to place your child for adoption? Okay. I, I've talked before about how I grew up in a, 
you know, I grew up as a member and I still am a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And for those of you who don't know, we are um, asked or required to, or I don't know what the right word is, to to abstain yep. from sex before marriage. And for those of you who don't know, you get pregnant by having sex. And so, okay, wow. um, so I always found it interesting that when you were pregnant and not married, everybody saw your sin. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it was this weird thing where I was like, none of these boys in here or men that are having sex before marriage, you can't see that that's what they're doing. But for me, it was very clear that you could see that I was pregnant. I wasn't married. um, And I was young. And so I was very nervous about the judgments of others. And I'll be honest, I think there were probably some people who silently judged me. And I kind of had to put out of my mind like, oh, well, I think when I start getting really mad, I kind of get this like screw them attitude of like, I don't really care what they think. And I, I'm lucky that I think early on I was able to hold on to that of just like, this is my issue. And I was very much like people would want to give me their opinions about what I should do. And I, again, had very much the attitude of like, oh, I'm sorry, are you pregnant? Yeah. Are you trying to decide what to do with the, your future? No, then don't talk to me type thing. And I would have uh, family members who were very, I don't want to say it in a bad way, but they were, you know, they're very well-meaning you know, I had aunts, uncles, grandparents, um, cousins, people who would just come to me and say, this is what I think you should do. Or we will help you raise your baby if if you decide to keep. And uh, for those of you that don't know, I am half Mexican. I know it's very surprising. I'm actually, actually, Ancestry will tell you I'm only like 19% Mexican, but whatever. I don't care anymore. But I grew up half Mexican, so we have a lot of Mexican family. And those of you who understand the Mexican culture, it's very family-oriented. We take care of each other. Um, If there's an issue, we step up and we help take care of each other. And so I had an aunt who I was very close with, and she sat me down and she was like, what are you doing? Like, we don't give our blood away. Mm -hmm. She's like, we, you know, we take care of each other. We will help you. And I just was – I was very grateful for all of the help that was getting offered to me. But I also remember thinking – thankfully, at a very young age, like, yeah, but what happens when they're two or three or four and they're throwing tantrums in the store? Like, who's going to be there with me? Nobody. Because everybody wants to cuddle a baby, but a toddler's a different story. And maybe it was because I was the oldest of six. And so I, I saw what toddler tantrums looked like. And so I was just very aware that I would probably get a lot of help at first. And then afterwards, I'd be very worried about where that help would come from. And I just was also still worried about the relationship with the birth father. And I knew that that probably wasn't a healthy relationship. So when I chose to place, I think because it was my choice and I was firm in my choice, I was able to stand behind it and just was able to say, this is my choice. This is the choice I'm making. And nobody else has to make this choice for me, but me. I'm the one that had to sign the paperwork. And um, it's actually, it's interesting because we had just looked at, I have copies of the rights that I relinquished back in 2002. And I was kind of looking through some of them and there were questions that was very much like, are you doing this on your own free will? Like, do you understand that you probably could get help if you needed to? Do you know that you have help from the government if you need to, if you want to raise a baby? And I think that just because I was very well aware of the situation and it was my choice and nobody coerced me or forced me into it, I was able to stand on my own two feet and and stand up for my decision, even though I knew that people, there were some people who didn't understand, who uh, 
judged me, who thought that I was just giving away my child, who thought I was taking the easy way out, who thought I was just discarding her so that I could go continue to go on to college, which is far from the truth. And I think because I knew it myself, I was able to get through that. And as far as my religious community, I was actually very wrong about those people. They actually scooped me up and put their arms around me and helped me and was just like the biggest support system that I ever could have ever asked for. And I'm, I'm so lucky that they were there. They didn't judge me. They just stood right beside me and held me while I was crying. And um, it was just a big support system for me. So I'm very grateful for all of them. Okay, that was great. So next question, what do you think birth moms are looking for in adoptive couple profiles? Okay, when I talk about this, it is one of the most interesting parts about this whole process because it's very, as a birth mom, you're choosing the parents of your children, your child or children. And as adoptive couple, it's almost like you're trying to sell yourself in a weird way, right? Um, And so when I would look at profiles, so way back 20 years ago, we had pieces of paper. We didn't do anything online. We had pieces of paper that got handed to us. We had like a piece of paper with like color copied pictures that we could see of the couple. And I remember there were some letters because they always write birth parent letters. I would start reading the letter and I'd be like, nope, doesn't feel right don't like it. It's not that I didn't like them. It was just like something didn't feel right or I didn't connect with them. And before, um, I had a whole list of like what I wanted in a couple. So I wanted them to be athletic. I wanted them to, I wanted Alex to be their first child. It's so weird. It's just, it's weird going through this whole process. But I also, um, there were things that I loved about some letters. And I will tell you the number one tip I have about people if you are trying, if you're writing a birth parent letter, or if you're putting together a profile or anything like that, is just be yourself. Let that show through your words and your pictures that you are yourself. If you have a silly picture of you guys like making a funny face together, put it on there. If you have pictures of you hiking because that's what you love to do as a couple, put that on there. Water sports, um, anything, and try really hard from or to use words or phrases that could sound salesy. So I, there was one couple profile and I remember reading it and they said, our child will have unlimited uh, credit card to Nordstrom. No. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I just was like, and I think it's because I came from a home that was like, we kind of struggled with money growing up. And so I was like, money is not important to me. Like you cannot try and buy my child no. with like telling me that there's like unlimited amounts of money going to Nordstrom. I just couldn't do it. It's awkward. It was very, yeah. So I was just like, okay, that's not going to do it for me. I just feel like I loved and resonated with Alex's parents actually wrote their birth parent letter from the viewpoint of Goldilocks going through their house. So she talked about like camping equipment and like other things in the garage that kind of talked about like what her dad liked to do. And then it talked about, um, Andrea was a big dancer. So it talked about like her ballet shoes and like other things and, that she was a dancer. And then it went and just to like different rooms in the house and kind of like told me about their personality. And I loved it. I thought it was so creative and I just felt really good about them. And I will tell you, it is very difficult because as a birth parent, I felt really guilty saying no to couples. Like if I could have had 20 children and given them all to all of these 20 couples, 
I would have done it. But that wasn't the case. So I would always feel really guilty about saying no. So I would just say, just be yourself. Like, let that show through pictures, through whether, because I think it's all done online now, whether it's a blog or a profile book or something like that. Like, just let the silliness, let, let the real you show. And that will help catch people because... Yes, birth parents are trying to make the best decision that they can because they're trying to pick their the parents of their child. Um, they're not looking for a perfect couple. I think they're looking for just a real couple who's going to love their baby so much. I mean, and I think that that kind of goes into our last question of the day, um, which is for Jessica. Any helpful tips on getting through the ups and downs of the and the emotional roller coaster of like waiting? Yeah. So... This is a question that I don't feel like fully equipped to answer because sometimes I feel like our children just kind of fell into our laps um, because they were independent adoptions. We weren't waiting with um, an adoption agency for years. But I will say that what preceded our getting placed with each of our children was this feeling inside my heart that I wanted a baby. And it's really, really challenging and painful to want a baby so badly and have no control over when that's going to happen in your life and to have just so much uncertainty around like when you're going to be able to have a child, how many children you're going to be able to have, the whole timeline. It's all outside of your control. And... um you just have to completely relinquish this control. And thankfully for Jared and I, we gave that over to our Heavenly Father and to the Savior and just had to trust in their plan for us. Um, but that waiting period, that uncertainty is just, it's excruciating. Um, and I remember feeling that. And when when we would feel this desire to to have a baby, that's when Jared and I would start acting. And for us... When before we were placed with the girls, what that looked like is we got ready to call LDS Family Services and sign up to be a client of LDS Family Services. And what's amazing to me is that I just believe in this principle of faith bringing about miracles. And our faith in our action wasn't actually directly tied to the babies that were eventually placed with us. But I knew that Heavenly Father like knew our hearts. He saw our effort. And it was during this time when we were acting and moving on the faith and promptings that we were feeling that Heavenly Father, he orchestrated this beautiful plan for us to be placed with our daughters. And out of nowhere, even before we were able to make a phone call, um, um, to LDS Family Services, we heard about Danielle, who was preparing to place, you know, identical twin girls for adoption. Then fast forward several years later, six years later, um, Jared and I had started to feel again like, okay, it's time to add to our family. And um, this time, the way the way we acted on that prompting and that feeling is we um, we were living in San Bernardino County, California at the time. And so we decided and f- had felt like we wanted to be a, par- a part of the foster care um, system where we would be able to become, it's called like a resource family there in California. And so we signed up to like go to the classes and clinics to um, to become like registered resource parents. And we thought we were going to get placement through through foster care. And this is how we acted on these promptings and the momentum that we felt to to build our family. And, 
you guys have heard the story, you know that's not actually how we ended up, you know, receiving Bradley in our family. But what's so interesting to me is that our two um, references for that um, application that we were preparing with the county were my bishop and my Relief Society president. And these were two people that Jessica, Bradley's birth mom, eventually ended up turning to when she found out that she was pregnant. And over the course of several months, you know, eventually it was our bishop who gave Jessica our contact information. And so um, that's how she decided to reach out to us. And so it's just this interesting, at least for us, this is how it's worked, where we're putting forth these efforts. We're trying to act on this faith and this prompting. And those aren't the actual actions that ended up bringing a baby into our family. But it felt so good just to do something, something. To, to be moving forward. And so I would just really advise anybody in this waiting period to find ways that you can act. And you need to do it in authentic ways. Because for us, we actually didn't feel at that time that we wanted to like create an online profile. We had prepared in both instances to work with either LDS Family Services, which is no longer operating as an adoption agency, or um, becoming foster um, foster care parents and hoping to receive placement through that way. And I, I just feel like that's a really um, helpful thing is to find ways that you that you can act, something that you can do that helps you feel like you're moving forward. And for me, that's very much like the faith portion and the works portion. And even if that doesn't end up being the exact avenue that ends up panning out for you eventually, I just have complete faith that Heavenly Father is able to orchestrate miracles from that faith that you're putting forward. And so another thought that I had about this is Although Jared and I have not been able to um, work through the foster care system, this is such an incredible way to be placed with a baby. Um, there, If you want to become parents, if you want to be a mother, there is a way to do that. And, you know, adoption agencies are wonderful, and I totally understand the desire to want a baby. I've had that desire. But I've also, at certain points in our infertility journey, had to put aside the ability to become pregnant and set that aside because Jared and I just wanted to be parents. Like, we wanted the experience of raising and caring for children. Mm -hmm. And this is just kind of a plug for the foster care system. There are babies. There are children that need parents. And um, even though there's still training involved, it takes time and waiting at the end of that story, there usually is placement. Um, and so, you know, that's another thing that you could do. And for us, what's so interesting is Jared and I actually did become registered foster care parents. And that process of, of being a part of that training and being with other parents who were preparing to, to adopt or become foster care, it was such valuable education for us. And it was one of those fun things that we got to do together that felt like we were you know, kind of moving the needle. And, and it was just a really, it was just such a valuable learning experience. There's so many things that we learned in those trainings that we're now applying in our parenthood because adoptive children, whether they come from foster care system or, or any other way, they just, they have needs. And um, we just learned so much valuable information there. So anyway. Well, and they put you guys through the ringer oh. of like being able to place a baby in your home. Like yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. 
They really do. You know, there was... I could bring a kid into my home without putting some plugs on my outlets and nobody would care. Yeah. But... <laughs> Be sure you have a fire extinguisher under that sink of See? yours. Not like I know how to operate it. No, but you had to have one. Yeah, it was such great preparation, like, to just prepare your minds for eventually being able to be a safe place for a baby, but also just um, just being surrounded by other couples that were also like us wanting to, you know, to adopt a baby or adopt a child. Um, that's something that was that was super helpful for us to do. Yeah, I think that one a, th- a thought that I had was, that all of the feelings that you have are valid. Like there's no like you shouldn't be embarrassed because you are devastated that your body is not working how you feel that the Lord has intended it to work. You know, like we get told all the time we're women, these things should come natural, whatever, and it doesn't. It's okay that you feel that devastation. It's okay that you feel the loss. It's okay that you feel that you the sadness. It's okay if you hate Mother's Day right now. Like all of that is okay. And I know that sometimes people don't want this answer, but I truly feel like that there is a plan and that your baby is out there. And one of the biggest pieces of advice I could give if you are a faith-based person is to start praying for that birth mother um, because she is the one that's going to have to be soon or in a couple years making decisions. And we talked about this, um, I think in your episode, Jessica, that that somebody's um, has to go through something really hard mm-hmm. in order for you to become a parent. And it's the it's the beautiful, sad part of adoption. And I just remember feeling very strengthened by prayers. And it was the hardest decision I ever had to make. And so I think that if you maybe start helping or focusing on the birth parents and putting your thoughts and prayers towards them, that that might help you um, in preparation to have that baby come into your home. Yeah. And that's that's another thing that you're able to do, because I think sometimes we think about waiting as very passive. You're just kind of looking at the clock. And I know what that feels like when it's all outside of your control. But remember what is is in your control. Your prayers are in your control. The things you decide to do with your time. I mean, honestly, we really feel like our babies came into our, into our families by word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Once Jared and I found out that we were infertile and that we would be unable to have our own children, we started talking with our, with our family and friends and just sharing just, um, that we were excited about, Um, growing our family through adoption. And Jared and I both have like huge families. So we kind of had this army of, of people out there who knew, and we're kind of keeping their eyes open, their ears open. And, and really that's eventually how we ended up being placed with all three of our children. Um, I think it's also important to remember that I, as an adoptive mom, I'm now nine and a half years into this. I have my children. I have all of my children. I'm Mm -hmm. tapping out. (laughs) So I'm in a very different place, but I remember what it was like to be devastated, to cry when coming home from church and just just cry like, Heavenly Father, when am I going to get this baby? I remember my sister, Christine, who's younger than I am, she had a baby before I did. And I remember thinking, what is up with that? Like, I always got to do everything first. And honestly, I went out to Utah and got to visit her and this baby And she just wanted to hold her baby the whole time because she was a new mom. And I remember leaving after spending a few days with her and Jared picked me up 
And I just bawled my eyes out because, first of all, I didn't feel like I got to hold the baby enough for one. Because <laughs> Christine just wanted to hold sweet Bennett. But I, I was just so, so sad. And I remember what it was like to, to feel that pain and that heartache. Um, and things have come full circle for me now. And I have several years of feeling completely compensated by Heavenly Father and by having my children now. So if you're in the trenches, in the waiting period, the messy period, um, this is the hard part. Hold on. Hold on. The light will come. Your baby will come. Your child will come. Yep. And I uh, I just say amen to that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I've... I've um... On the other side of this, I've seen my brother and sister-in-law struggle with infertility, and it's very real, and it's painful, but they have been able to get their little girl through the foster system, which has not been easy, I will say, no. um, and they're still waiting for the official adoption, but that little girl has been such a blessing to our lives, and they're still, they still have that desire to have a baby, and um, whatever way that comes to them, you know, in the future, but... I, I just hope people know that, like, we see you and we hear you and we feel of your pain and just hold on. And um, anyways, we're here for you. So and we're also here for all the birth moms because we love you. And anyways. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, we will see you next time. 